So, hey, everyone, uh, welcome to another uh, episode of uh, the podcast Aves that we are working to talk about AEC technologies, uh, sharing with people, ideas, thoughts. Uh, for those that have listened to the podcast before, they know that uh, we are passionate about uh, coding, programming, uh, uh, parametric design, generative design, BIM, and many more technologies that will come to the future uh, uh, and how we're going to change and, and give more shape to uh, the AEC industry. Uh, today we have two two guests. It's the first time we're gonna have a conversation that is not a one on one, but is a one on two, two on one, something like that. <laughs> it's a great it's a great opportunity to have more people on board. Uh, this time uh, we have Sophia Malmsten and Eric Forrest. Welcome, uh, you both. Uh, I hope I I, I pronounce properly the the names. <laughs> and not not the best with it sometimes, but. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to 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 introduce them uh, because today we're going to talk about generative design, which uh, everyone knows it, that um, it's a new technology or recent technology that is is coming to the AEC industry. There's still many gaps. There's still many things that uh, we are trying to share with people so they understand more the power of generative design. How does it works? How can we apply it? Uh, what are the things that uh, companies or like different um, uh, workflows required to create a, a proper workflow for generative design. Uh, we are trying to share and, and make people, clients, and whoever that is listening to the podcast so wants to start like doing even generative design. That uh, it is a really powerful tool. It's a really interesting tool, but also has a lot of uh, uh, complexity to develop. So it's not something that you can just build from scratch in a couple of seconds. Uh, if you want to take it to to like a good level of generative design. And today we have Sophia and Eric, so welcome, welcome you both. And um, if you, uh, I'll give you the word so you can introduce yourself a bit and, uh, and and go ahead. All right, thank you for for inviting us. So we are uh, Sophia and Eric, and um, we are based in Gothenburg, basically. And um, I would, I normally say I'm an architect and half engineer. Uh, so I've been studying architecture for five years and a little bit of mechanical engineering and uh, civil engineering. And I have a big interest in, in programming. So I ended up as an architect and a computational designer. Yeah, my name is uh, Eric. I'm the second co-founder of Parametric Solutions. And uh, I usually say that I'm, I'm a half architect and an engineer. So I studied arch architecture for three years and another two years of, of engineering. And uh, yeah, like Sophia said, we're based in Gothenburg, Sweden, and we run our startup company, Parametric Solutions, and we work with yeah. generative and parametric design. Yeah, this is this is awesome. Like, um, for those listening to the podcast, I will leave the site, uh, well, the, the link to the site of Parametric Solutions for those who want to visit the site and know more about Eric and Sophia and the work they, they've been doing. And um, today, we'll, as I mentioned, we'll speak about generative design. So let's go ahead and start with the, the first uh, simple question uh, we have today. So what is generative design for you uh, for parametric solutions? How do you see generative design? All right. So uh, as we see generative design, it's like an iterative process that involves both a program and a human or a designer. And we see generative design as a connection between these two 
fields basically um so the designer set up goals and constraints and we write algorithms that iterates over the possible design scope within these constraints so it's in a way it's it's basically like flipping flipping the workflow around because instead of like designing something and then you evaluate whatever you design and you you make some kpis and you make some um, uh, analysis from it you you basically flip it around and you you create something that you evaluate at the same time and then you start by looking at the, the metrics or the numbers um, mm -hmm. together with the uh, the design itself and you take decisions based on on all aspects mm -hmm. at once so it's more like a parallel workflow than um yeah, I I really like this part of the metrics and the goals that uh, you set up in generative design. Like, uh, I I think it's a completely radical way to conceive design. Because normally people was just like you were saying. Normally design was just like this thing, like the people play with it first and then they evaluate it. Uh, but it was but then it was too late because it was kind of like a just well sometimes it's a mess and then you have to go back and forward, back and forward. And I think generative design just like uh, just it's like a bridge, so you can just go straight to the metrics since the beginning and actually okay. see if your design is actually working properly or not, or like reaching the goals that, that you want, which I, I think is something really, really cool about generative design, that uh, you are looking at data, you know, like um, those who are, well, those who know generative design or parametric design, well, we know there's a lot of data and information that is important to, to see, to pay attention to, and it's not that it's... And I think I, I really like the power of design where it's not about only about the beauty aspects, but it's also about behavior. Or it's also about uh, the standards that you want to meet, uh, you want to reach, uh, et cetera, et cetera, right? So another question we have today is, uh, you, do you think like it will change the way we conceive AEC in the future? Like, how do you see you know, design like uh, moving the industry? I mean, I would say that it probably has changed the industry a little bit already, and it's definitely uh, changing faster and faster. Mm. Um, and like, if you look at many other industries, um, generative design is already like the convention. Many people in the in the automobile and the industry, for example, uses generative design for for structural um, um, optimization and stuff like that. So I think. But I mean, the IAS industry is, is a bit uh, slower to adapt to new technologies compared to that kind of industries because it's oftentimes big projects and, and it takes, uh, it's also like the higher complexity level because there are so many things to consider. But it, like as computers get more and more powerful and people get more and more interested, mm. um, it will for sure uh, be a bigger part of the design and workflow for, for a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. I think people... Um, had seen the benefits of, of using it and I, our interpretation is that people are in general very interested in learning more about generative design and parametric design um, today most people don't really know how to use it but they seem very interested in learning how to do it and there's a big interest in it when we talk to people about generative design in our work um, it's very important or we think that it's really important to emphasize that like it's not only about I think what you said about the the numbers and the metrics is is really good, but that it's like it's about the holistic thinking and like so it's it's not only the numbers or only the design, but it's designed together with the numbers and um like 
for example, we, we focus a lot on sustainability metrics mm. and it's like being able to actually get those kind of numbers in the early stages, people uh, start to see the benefits of um, of having that as, as parameters in their design and being able to take decisions based on that. So, yeah. And also um, collaboration. Um, mm. Because, I mean, before we, we started with parametric design and generative design, uh, in the architectural school, for example, we designed something and then we evaluated it. And it was quite complex to compare one metric with another and a third and so on. So it's also like, if I prefer daylight and big windows, for example, how does that affect something that is outside my scope? So it's also a way of seeing how my choices, how do they actually affect something else? So it's also about collaboration and finding a sustainable way of making decisions. Yeah. So I mean, uh, we usually say that all, all, all kinds of design is always like some kind of iterative process. But the, the difference between generative design and like conventional design approach is that in generative design, you actually, instead of doing all the iterations consecutively you do them in parallel so you can yeah, yeah. so mm. you, you 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 make them uh, all at the same time instead of like uh, as as uh, stages yeah and and this this point i think is really interesting like uh when when working with generative design like uh we have to make conscious with the clients with the team that we have to have this this holistic this uh really like really big input of ideas before we start creating code, because I, I, I think like it's, it's well, any, any process requires a kickoff. I really understand that part of the workflow sustainability also requires a lot of really good kickoff to to actually achieve a good project. But I think DNA Design has given us the opportunity as well to just put like all the inputs in the table and start thinking which inputs we have to really pay attention according to the goals that the, the project requires, right? But uh, still, like I think this is a um, collaboration part is still like the the the, the phase that uh, we need to still cover like in a manual process that it's not just the, the code that is it will do it for you but I think it's important for everyone like on board like and that want to create this type of workflows that uh well try to get like really good collaboration I really like love this point where people think like machine is going to do everything for you and <laughs> not really if you don't have the proper inputs the proper team uh I also believe there's a, a still a really important part of the of the scope that uh, is done by by humans itself. You know, when when people listen, because there's this myth, right, about generative design that will come and destroy the jobs of the architects and this kind of stuff. And uh, I think it's not really destroying anything; it's just opening a new door, a new opportunity of doing design different uh, regarding how you collaborate, how you put the the goals and and and, and set up. But, uh, and how, well, I know you're based in Sweden, so how, how do you see collaboration working in Sweden for these kind of workflows? Like, it's uh, probably different than, than we have, what we have right now in America. Uh, so so do, do, do you mean like how, how people start to adopt this kind of workflows or, or do you mean yeah. like... Yeah, yeah, how do you see with people talking about your native design and okay, let's go for it. Like, how, how's the experience there? <laughs> So I mean, we've been, uh, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say it depends a lot on who you ask and what kind of role they have. Um, I mean, property developers they see 
some kind of benefits in it and they see oh i can save time and it's uh, efficient and if you talk to designers it's more they see other things and a lot of other aspects in how to apply generative design and what it means so it depends a lot on who you are what kind of background you have um if you have worked with it before um a lot of things so it, it varies a lot i would say but i, I would say that you're, you're really on point both of you when you said this thing about like the architects and that it won't like take the jobs from the architects because i think that it's been in general like a big fear in the industry that that this is going to take our jobs and and i mean that's that's not really what's mm. going to happen um i mean 25 30 years ago when computers entered the market uh, it also changed the industry but in a different way and people are still working with design yeah. it's just about like how you perceive design and how you how you do stuff yeah exactly as you said before it's not about the machine doing everything it's a mindset of it's it's more like a mindset and how you think about design mm -hmm. of course we still need designers and architects and i mean the more we we work with these kind of things i see as an architect myself i feel like this will not take my job <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, it's a different way of thinking about it, but it will not. It it will assist the architects. Yeah, mm. I would say that it has gotten better. We've been working with this for approximately four years, and we can see that, like the last two years or even the last year, it's actually like the interest has increased enormously. Yeah. But there are still like a little bit of um, um, some people are still hesitant to to like adopt the concept but uh, i mean yeah mm. like Sophia said it depends on who you ask <laughs> and the role yeah it's I, I i agree on that like it's a it's a part that uh well you you just have to see how you talk who do you talk with because it uh, depends on the role depends on the mindset of the person as well and uh and sometimes it's really important as uh, i think like in a, in our position for for companies that we are developing generative design and we are trying to offer in this product, it's really important to try to explain like the details, like uh, on how does the project works, but also understand the thinking of the client. I think that's a, a part of the of the work that is not really mentioning all in the when people is learning because we know that we have jumped to a world that we we learn how to code, we learn how to do programming and. We were architects back in the days so that we were thinking more about like a shape of space, interior design, exterior design, the facade and all these concepts that are normally like, uh, well, we use in the industry. But then when we jump to the part, when we start jumping to parametric design, when we start doing generic design, we kind of change this gap. Uh, like, honestly, I never really imagined myself like, oh, I'm, one day I'm going to learn how to code just to do this. Uh, crazy stuff with geometry and play with it, which I really like nowadays. But um, I think it's also important to to see that uh, the thinking, the paradigm is changing like big time. You know, it's not only using the software, but it's like actually trying to write it. Well, grab the ideas from the client, uh, putting the ideas into a code, uh, which you need to understand how to code. And then once you have the code, you have to actually express it again to ideas into a client. So I think this kind of um, loop becomes really, really valuable for clients and also with the with the touch of the people. You know, this is these are, these are things that uh, computer won't take away from us. Uh, for those that uh, just, I still read a lot of people and love 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 thinking like, oh my god, this this will destroy our jobs. And I think it's the other way around. Like this will make your life simpler. 
So just make like come the come on board, try to do the the try to follow and well exchange ideas so you so you work. I mean, the faster you spend uh well the faster you do something, the less time you spend doing some annoying automatic automatic tasks, the best, right? Like uh I don't know if any well um it's something also something I would like to share like with people like uh, back in the days I have like some jobs that I re- I realized that I was just doing like kind of like the same process over and over and I was just like why, why am I doing this like <laughs> then we still like I think that was the first reason I still like jumping into code and figuring out how to do something that uh, was just taking a lot of time and just want to simplify it and I think you know, design just just has like the proper like tool it's just a proper tool that so it can like synthesize a lot of thinking since the beginning and definitely gonna change the, the AC right and this this comes with uh with with something that I really like uh, nowadays I'm starting to see more and more like platforms more uh, generic design tools uh, more uh, parametric design tools and why does the market is developing this I, I wonder myself like why why people is developing their their tools to do this kind of uh, approach so uh, I leave this question for you at the moment, and we'll talk about. <laughs> why do you why do you see these these all these tools growing here now? I think, um, as we said earlier, I think people see the benefits um, of using generative design, and uh, it has been around in other industries. It has been around the AAC industry. We have using parametric design and uh, generative design, Grasshopper, Dynamo, but it still requires knowledge in visual programming it still needs knowledge in how to do basic code coding um so i think there's a need of platforms and making it more accessible scalable and simpler for people to use um i mean property developers and uh, people working with like land acquisition and that kind of jobs probably they haven't been using grasshopper and uh, dynamo but they would probably still need to use the um, the they want to use the benefits of of generative design and therefore it must be made in an easier way. Yeah, the, the thing is that we I mean we, we talk about the AC industry as as a like one cohesive industry, but actually it's like it's a really diverse um, industry. A lot of different people from different backgrounds and and that does vastly different things. And um, since since like the the interest for generative design has been growing enormously in the last couple of years. I think a lot of um, companies or a lot of platforms like <laughs> they emerge from from this interest. And um, once the the industry matures a little bit more, I think uh, uh, it will probably be be more um, cohesive. Um, the platforms uh, situation that it is right yeah. now. Right now is a bit crazy. Mm. Everybody's developing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's because it's, it's also like uh, as as users of platforms, it's also well, we all know that it takes time, takes effort and energy to not just learn to to use a platform, but also if you want to start writing generic design coding, well, it also takes more time and more effort to to do it, and uh, and it's not something that. Uh, well, once you understand it, like it's not something that uh, normally will adapt instantly to your project. You know, it's something that you will build uh, by by different properties, characteristics of the project. So 
this comes with with this uh, other idea, like uh, is it possible to adapt to any kind of project uh, Genevieve design? I would say yes, but the 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 more repetition and the higher level of um, it, the more you reuse things, the better I would say. So I mean, standardization and industrialization together with generative design and parametric design, I think that's a perfect match for for applying it in larger scale. Okay. Uh, and of course, you can apply parametric design and generative design on all types of projects. But then, I mean. You need to probably tweak the script. You need to uh, rebuild it. You need to customize it even more. But if you're doing the same kind of design logic over and over again, yep. that's where we see that the most, um, the highest value. I mean, in the end of the day, it's all about like finding one one good or one perfect solution for a specific development project. So of course, if you have a bigger bigger site that you want to exploit, or if you have a really complex process your design scope is probably bigger as well than for a really, really small and simple project. So like the benefits of using generative design to find that really good solution or perfect solution becomes much bigger. Um, and also I think it, it comes down to different scales. So like for, uh, so our approach is that, for example, when you look at like really high level um, or low level plans in the early stages, you, you might do like a volume study for, for a specific site. And then once you have decided on that and you, you're in the detailed planning of the project, then maybe you want to look at floor plans or you want to look at window positions or you want to look at uh, uh, pedestrian floor or something like that. Uh, and then you can, of course, take that even one step further and go into the, the actual planning of the different uh, rooms and go into really small small mm -hmm. detail and try to find good, good solutions. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I think it's all, about, it's all about the scale of the project. like. Uh, I, I I I do believe that generative design can can adapt to anything, but I also agree a lot that uh, the more repetitive the task is, the more the bigger the scale you can reach. But um, and uh, but I I'm also thinking like constantly like what's going on with the you know big firms like doing massive buildings like are they really using generative design? Because when you are using it only for one project like. You, it's really specific the thing that you will use probably like even even if you are using the code for views like probably you will have to do just like you were saying you will have to tweak the the code for that specific design to understand uh, how to behave what do you have to look and that's where 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 it becomes like quite complex like uh how we we have to know how to read the code where do we have to change it how do we move it and this this is well this is something that i always seen like how how many people is coding? How how like who is coding? Like uh, us, we are well according to our background, we are architects that we learn how to code. We start like doing this, but uh, I'm always like I, I haven't had the opportunity, for example, to code with someone that is like uh, an engineer in map systems, for example. And I'm wondering like what's the what's the thinking of this other person? Like what's the approach that it, that uh, this background, this thinking can can bring on board? And I think like that's where where also we are missing people like uh, uh, or missing coding writers. I don't know how like people mm -hmm. doing programming so so we can have like different uh, and better inputs because I think like, every perspective like the first right it's like we still like putting like a maybe a property owner to write code <laughs> or he will write code like in a really different way than we, we we think about it. I don't know how what do you think about this like 
in yeah I, th- I think I think you're really onto something because uh, when you when you put people that knows how to code and people that knows uh, how to design together uh, you actually create something really powerful because uh, I think that coding like the the uh, the procedure of of writing code is not actually so different from the procedure of <laughs> of uh, designing something it's actually something that you 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 have you have a scope or you have a, something that you want to achieve and then you 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 try to find different logics to to achieve a solution to that problem uh, but what the people work with um, software development or, or coding uh, know is like the actual syntax of the code and they, they can help you to to um, to to actually write the logic but uh, so I think it's a really really powerful combination. Mm. Um, yeah, I think the, the bigger the teams on, on coding, the, the the bigger the result. Uh, to be honest, like uh, just like any other job, like I think the the more people you have together working together, putting ideas, like probably the the outputs will be even better than only one person just write, writing one platform all, all the time. I think it's part of like the the cool thing that I like about Genie Design that also like is people coming asking for like a request. Uh, of something they want to achieve, and it's so it's it's just really nice to kind of like have these these exterior inputs coming to the to the game and make us understand like there's possibilities to do something. Like even even people, you know, I think when people realize that uh, they they can actually take advantage of your know, design is because they they start to see something even if they don't know how to code, but they they start to see the value of that that is possible to achieve. Like these mm-hmm. kind of workflows with the with all the information is out there in the internet. You know, when you look for generative design and you look at all these cool images, like doing like shapes and transforming and outputs and inputs. I think they they're like, oh, like can we do something like that? And they and sometimes they realize that they actually can do something like that, but they, they just need to get closer to reach the right people so they can develop that that kind of product. You know, which I think that's that's super super important that uh, we keep like a. Uh, sharing and spreading the word, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so this, this this is also another thing that I have today, like what are the challenges we have as architects or developers in order to to learn generate design in order to, to put it out there for the AEC? How do you feel about this? I mean, I, I think we, like we said a little bit before, um, when you study architecture, you normally don't study programming and that kind of things so i think that's a quite big challenge if you want to to do something in generative with generative design or parametric design you have to spend time in learning grasshopper or dynamo and visual programming um and i mean in the beginning it can be quite complex if you don't have a background in that so i would say that's of course a quite big challenge and also the same thing for for property developers and other stakeholders in the industry. Um, it's not that it's super easy to just start using parametric design. Exactly, but I also think that the like since we are seeing so much interest and so many platforms showing up for this workflows, um, it will actually get easier and easier in the future to to pick it up and to to also see what what you can use it for. And we like in parametric solutions, we we talk about. Uh, what we call demo- um, democratic design, so that you like if you create something that a lot of people can use, it also opens new doors because it makes people 
that not don't normally are part of the design process actually being able to be part of the maybe not the design process but the the decision process. Exactly. So you can you can um, look at different alternatives and you can see benefits and um, and disadvantages with with certain designs. And you can bring more people to the table and have a informed discussion about what we actually build. Exactly. And also, like like we said before, I mean, it's not that every architect should know how to do parametric design and computational design. Uh, I mean, if we have computational designers and programmers, we can create something really cool together. We can set up scripts, we can reuse the scripts, and we can let decision makers and architects without knowledge in how to code actually make informed decision based on what others have, have done already. So it's like combining skills in a new way and collaborating in new ways. Yeah, I, I, that sounds really good. Like this democratic design, I never heard about this concept, but I like the like this this, this <laughs> kind of putting it together, you know? Like uh exactly. Yeah, it's it's totally true because uh like I many times like if people that is working in all in, in frames or like or even if they are not in frames and they decide to start like something on their own their own uh but when you start like collaborating with different like people and different companies you realize that a lot of people actually request for like kind of the same process uh and it's just like uh everyone is it, it, well it happens a lot to us like everyone is talking about like i have my quality standards okay but your quality where are your quality standards well lines like a uh, type of modeling type of information and sometimes they 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 request for this but uh, they don't even really know how to structure that because they really don't know about the workflow so so many times i've been thinking like what if i just do a standard that works for everyone and mm -hmm. just leave it like that like because they they all are pursuing like oh my standards but but they don't really know how where they're gonna put the information how they're gonna put it they don't know the structure so and I think that's where platforms start, like try or try to like come to to uh, put that uh, well cover the gap or that 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 part that is not like being attacked at the moment in our industry that or that everyone wants, but they don't even know how to start. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, it sounds 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 like a democratic design. I'm gonna I'm gonna really <laughs> that's, that's it. <laughs> I really like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but like everybody has an everybody has an option or an opinion on 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 yeah. what they think is the best solution but it's about like giving people the, um, the means to actually express that opinion and to be able to um, understand also uh, opinions and aspects from, from different disciplines so if i'm for if i'm a um, hvac engineer for example maybe i i don't really know all the all the complex aspects of the uh, the um, structural engineer and the architect so it's also about like bringing different disciplines with different knowledge together, and um, th that's also where the co collaboration comes in. Yes, we focus a lot on like emphasizing democratic design, <laughs> collaboration, and making like data-driven decisions. And so it's not about that everyone should learn how to code. So it's more like everyone has an important role, and how do we? scale up that knowledge and collaborate in a better way basically mm. yeah like i think like a, a, a big challenge as well is just uh, how we how we spread the world at the moment you know uh, mm. how we share with the with people the the value of these of these tools because uh, uh also and also try to make people understand that it's not uh, it's not like only one tool that we will will make everything 
Uh, normally people see Gene design as, oh, look at these guys, they create like this beautiful platform that will adjust to all the needs that I have. And, and I think it adjusts to a specific market out there, but it doesn't adjust maybe to other market that is out there. So it depends on the tools, like it depends on how, how we actually work with the with clients. Like it, um, it's not the same work with someone that is doing like a social housing, with someone that is doing residential housing, with someone that is doing build, like a vertical building. There's like so many different variables there, like people that are also specialize in hospitals and things like that. Like every kind of project has like a different approach on how generic design will work. And I think this is important for, for, for the clients to understand, for, for the market out there to, to listen to it more, like know that there's different possibilities and there's different set of goals that they will require to like pay attention to. You know, it, this, this will change a lot in, in the in the way we conceive DNA design. So so in other words, it's not that it is not that one tool will do everything for you, but I think it's like the use of different tools, the use of different applications. Like even generic design, like when you are creating a tool for a client, well you're gonna have two or three codes that will help you to assist one 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 task. You know, I I, I see really I, I still see myself like super complex to only write one massive code that will do the whole steps in just one run. Uh, I think it's something that it's you have to understand how you will divide the code, what are the first things that you will have to do to, before you go to the next one. You know, you probably what's more important if it's the views, if it's a lot daylight, if it's the cost. If it's the, I don't know, the, the size of the building, there's so many variables that you have to set up with like uh, in some sort of order. And, uh, and I think this is, this is, this is uh, important for, uh, for clients to understand that it's something that you also can do gradually. It's like, I think, well, or at least until my knowledge today, I think it's impossible to put everything in just one code and just run the application in, like, do everything, like, in one run, you know? I don't know how do you, how do you think about this. How do you see this? I think we've kind of came to the same conclusion. I mean, when we first show what generative design can do, uh, quite the common reaction is that, oh, then I will get the a ready house and I can get the construction drawings and I will have a house in seconds and that's not really the case <laughs> okay. uh, so it's I mean before we talked about the different scales so still I think it's important to divide the whole workflow related to these scales and make the most important decisions um, in separate workflows basically I mean we cannot make decisions about volumes and square meters and at the same time compare that with something that's not related to, to that. So in some way, we still need to split up the processes and the scales and what kind of metrics and data we display. So it's not that in a second you will have a construction drawing. It's uh, it's more complex than that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, in our, in our work and in our, um, let's call it the platform, we have, I mean, we have used this way of thinking as well because we have, we have focused much more on on, on um, uh, making it um, customizable, let's say, than making it um, only scalable and generic. So it's more about like finding the right question before you try to find a solution for it. And that's yeah, totally. Like uh, yeah, talking talking with the, with the clients and make you realize them. Okay, what is the best thing that what is the 
not the best story, what's, what's the most important thing that you want to pay attention to first, then second, then third? Mm. Sometimes they just, oh, I have all these variables. Oh, well, perfect, let's do them. But uh, let's, let's understand that it, there is a process. This, this, you want to reach something, it's kind of, we can develop it, but uh, we need to be really like, well, it's some, some sort of way to go inside their brains and their thoughts so we can actually extract that information out there and just put it in a code. And uh, and this 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 is another question to jump to to, to our conversation today. Does the AEC industry needs generative design? Design? Do you think that it's something that uh, is a must nowadays? I don't think it's a must, but I think it's um, it opens new doors for sure. Okay. Uh, I said to Sophia before that when we read the questions that does the AEC industry need computers? It's like it's it's a really useful tool that you can that you can when you apply it you can find new solutions that you probably wouldn't have found otherwise. But it's um, so it's more of a it's more more of a new tool or maybe a whole new toolbox. But you can of course do things in the conventional way as well. Of course. Mm. Um, but it's it's for sure going in that direction, and more and more people are jumping on the train. Yeah, and also like the demands in cities and requirements and daylight requirements and uh, um, yeah everything related to to the site it's getting more and more complex and it's a tool for for supporting decision making and we just want to make that decision process a little bit easier so it's not a must but um, hopefully it will support and assist architects and uh, other stakeholders in the industry so Okay, I I will say that uh, for me, to be honest, I, I think it's something that is is just trying to just appearing uh, like in the in the world, like uh, people is trying to really pay attention to it. Like I think back in the days was a parametric design where people was just like using all these tools to do parametric modeling and stuff like that. Now we jump to we are jumping to generative design and generative design. I think is more fast, more complex than parametric design. It's also a different approach to, uh, on, on how you conceive the, the thinking. Like uh, mm. people normally make the mistake that things like uh, think, well, like it tends to happen that they see parametric design as just like uh, similar to generic design, but generic design is just like a, will give you some outputs, right? And I think there's like a big gap is still there. Like we need to put really clear what is parametric design, what is generic design, and what it, what, what what is when is Time to use parametric design because I think parametric design still has a lot of of, uh, of market as well, like depending on the type of project. But it's total, it's completely different on generative design. Uh, uh, people need to to see this also this 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 approach differently. It's not the same. It won't be the same, even if it's similar in some stuff. I think, yeah, it's it's parametric design probably was a was a previous step of generative design. But uh, it doesn't really mean that it's the same at the moment. It doesn't mean that it's the, the, the same workflow. So I think that's that's something out there that uh, we need to put like really clear on the table. Uh, I don't know if if the industry really required generative or really need generative design as a must, but I do agree that it helps a lot on the design thinking. And I think like the complexity of cities, the complexity of the society nowadays is way different than 30 years ago. And I think generative design is just uh, the perfect tool, and uh, uh, well, in my opinion, to actually put all these ideas on board. And 
the, the thing that I love most about generative design is that if you put all the ideas together, you will reach actually a better sustainable design. That's that's where I actually see the, the big, big uh, advantage of generative design. You know, like if people is not ready to use it, uh, I totally understand it because it's something that is gradual that uh, I hope that it will keep changing. But I really, really, really hope that it will become like something that it will be familiar in every in every frame, in every like design, you know, for the future. Yeah, definitely uh, agree with you. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And to start ending the episode today, um, how how do you see generative design growing for the future? How what's what's your perspective ambition for the for the future of generative design? Yeah, but I mean. Uh, like we like we said in the like we just said that um, the complexity of the cities are growing and um, it probably won't stop but it will continue in the same <laughs> in the same direction uh, most likely and i mean generative design is a really good tool to actually deal with complexity it's the um, it's the unique selling point of generative design so um i think it's it's probably gonna gonna grow in popularity uh, as projects become bigger and more complex, more people involved, uh, more parameters to consider, and also like the whole sustainability, um, all the sustainability aspects uh, that are actually really um, computationally demanding to to evaluate to to get all those numbers and metrics together with the design on the table really early on in the in the project mm. uh, makes for a really good start when you want to develop something so yeah, yeah. what what made you like what made you sophia and eric like come into generative design like what was the what was the thing that you you saw in generative design that you were like hey let's do this <laughs> <laughs> okay um basically it started when when i was working as an architect um I did like volume studies and I made more detailed design. And in quite late stages, I realized that ugh, the daylight doesn't work. I had to go back. I made a new proposal. Something else didn't work. <laughs> and then I had to go back again. And it was this iterative process. And I've spent so many late nights on trying to figure out design proposals that would meet all of these requirements. And then it's from a structural perspective and then from another perspective and a so it's just so complex. So it's like when I started to do programming, I was like, maybe we could make this process a little bit more efficient. Um, not to do the design, but to assist in this process and to make it easier. And uh, so... Yeah, and actually being able to focus on what is the architecture. Exactly. So like, if you spend all of your time trying to solve this complex uh, daylight situation for the ground plane, then you have no no time to actually do do what what architecture is about, like the, the design and the creating the, quality yeah, exactly. and um, concepts and that kind of things. Mm. I mean, if we could have tools that could assist us in in calculating square meters, uh, that would be great. And then we could focus on the quality, uh, visual aspects, and um, the spatial uh, representations and other parts of architecture yeah i mean it, it's it's basically like taking the computer and letting it do what it's best at to do really a lot of heavy calculations and then using the, uh, the human with it 
in, intuition and like it's really uh, complex thinking and all all those aspects and bringing them together um, and uh, letting each part do what it's mm. really good at. Mm. Yeah, we we actually had a talk at the Autodesk University last year about this topic for how mm. to combine um, algorithms and people and the connection between these two worlds. So it's not that the machine should do everything. And we talked about, should we see it as an evil robot or should we see it as a good to have assistant? And we were discussing this topic back and forth. Um, so it's this like democratic design and bringing these two worlds together. And we're trying to make the best out of that. Totally. <laughs> mm -hmm. oh. I think it's just like a... This amazing, this amazing way of of changing the thinking outside. Like uh, it's also something we know that it, it will take time. Uh, sometimes I, I I do encourage people that is interesting in generative design to kind of take it easy because it's 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 a long journey as well. Like it's not something that uh, will happen in, in two days. Uh, depends on on the on the on the kind of um of person that you are. Uh, uh, well. What are you looking for? If you want to be a developer of generative design, if you want to create generative design, like that, the path is completely different to someone that is looking for generative design. Still, like um, I encourage people to know more, like discover more about this. Uh, as uh, as we finish our episode today, we have Eric and Sophia giving us ideas, giving us thoughts about this. Uh, in parametric solutions, you can find a lot more of the things they are doing right now. Yeah, they they seem amazing. The the projects that that they have at the moment, what they've been developing, and a lot of respect to to them because it's not something easy. It's not something that uh, people build from scratch. It's I uh, all of the people that is actually listening or just want to consult or just wanna uh, get in touch with more information. You can definitely reach Sophia and Eric, so you can know more about these these tools. You can know more about this uh, complexity system because. Uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, this will change in the future. This will keep growing in the future. Uh, this will actually give us a new, brilliant perspective on how we design. Uh, I think that that's something that I honestly love a lot of generative you know, design. That is just all these possibilities are summarized in, in a computer process, which uh, I don't. We don't want to put our brain to think about all these kind of options when we know we can say to the computer, "Well, just think for me," <laughs> kind of. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, so just, uh, just, yeah, just go ahead, check out the the website. Thanks a lot for being with us today, Sophia and Eric, because we are ending the, our episode today. So, if there's anything else you want to mention to the to the audience out there, like. Yeah, I mean, if you have more ideas of what we can bring into generative design, we would basically love to hear from you because, I mean, we are doing computational design, but if we could get more ideas and um, topics for of, to include, that would be awesome. Um, I mean, we, we love to develop new stuff and new things. So if you have ideas, you're very welcome to, to contact us and we can have a discussion. Yeah, co collaboration is key. We want to talk with everybody that wants mm. to talk with us. <laughs> <laughs> so, exactly. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, thanks to you. And uh, next, and um, wait until our next episode where we'll keep uh, talking about uh, AC industry. And thanks for listening today. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>